0: Well, oh, good morning. <laughs> it's nice to be back. I so enjoyed that worship. You know, when, when, when you are deprived of that, I mean, it's one thing listening to great songs on YouTube and uh, whatever else, or whatever uh, music channel you've got, but to have live worship, there's nothing, nothing like that. And it's just, it's just wonderful. Thank you guys for uh, that this morning. It was so interesting to me that every single song that we sang i just want to m- mention before i go into that that uh, Emedla, uh we had our second pfizer vaccine on friday and she w- yesterday was a man down woman down <laughs> she was kaput frot uh, almost like she had uh, COVID. so she said Snooky, i've got a splitting headache but please tell everybody i love them and i'll be there next week so that's that's why she's not here this morning so they say that's much worse when you've had COVID, and she had it quite badly in December, uh, and uh, so she she, uh, she gives her apologies for not being here. But in our worship this morning, just looking at the lines and seeing, uh, it's fascinating to me that they came up. They didn't know what I was sharing. They didn't know what I was talking about, but just about every single song has uh, dealt with the crucifixion uh, the cross the sacrifice uh, of jesus the shedding of his blood and that's what i want to share about uh, this morning and then we'll go into a time of communion when the apostle paul went to corinth he said i resolved to know nothing i resolved to know nothing while i was with you except jesus christ and him crucified when he went To the Galatian church, later he wrote, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The RSV says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning I want to speak a little bit about the cross of Jesus Christ. We have ornaments we have jewelry uh, that resembles the cross around our necks, on our bracelets, on our earrings. Uh, you, you know it's not shocking to us that this was an instrument of execution. We wouldn't walk around with uh, a little piece of jewelry that resembles the guillotine, French guillotine or the hangman's noose or the gallows or uh, the electric chair. We just wouldn't do stuff like that. But we, we, we find it okay and acceptable, And we're not shocked in any way by that. But you know that the crucifixion was the cruelest form of execution known to mankind. And it was so cruel that, in actual fact, in A.D. 315, the Romans actually outlawed it because they said it was just too inhumane. Yet this symbol has become the symbol of the Christian church. The cross... Uh, is the symbol of the Christian faith. Churches are built in the shape of a cross. And inside churches, we see that uh, crosses are resembled. Dr. Mike Minix said this, one never can fully appreciate the Bible unless that person sees the message of the cross from beginning to end. Dr. J.C. Ryle said this, the cross is the foundation of the Bible. If you have not yet found out that Christ crucified is the foundation of the whole volume, the whole volume of the Bible, you have previously read your Bible to very little profit. You see, the Christian faith is the cross. Without the cross, it's like the sky without the sun. It's like a compass without a needle. It's like a cell phone without a battery. It's like a spotlight without electricity. The cross is the foundation of the Christian faith. Leaders who have influenced nations and have impacted tribes and communities are leaders that are known by the things that they've done in their lives. Jesus was known by his death. Most men are remembered by what they did. Jesus is remembered by what he suffered Most men by their action, but Jesus by his passion. Jesus, more than any other person on the face of the earth, is remembered not so much for his life, but for his death. Let me give you a few statistics here. The Gospels reflect, more than anything, the emphasis of the death of Jesus Christ. They majored on the cross. Matthew, one third of his gospel is concerning the passion of Jesus Christ. Mark, one third as well. Luke, one quarter of his gospel deals with the death of Jesus. John, half of his gospel tells the story in about the 10 day period where Jesus went to the cross. Half of John's gospel. Why? Why did the gospel writers spend so much time dealing with the crucifixion and the passion of Jesus Christ? Because this event is very near to the heart of God. The cross is central to the plan and the work of heaven. Much of the New Testament carries on with the with, with, with work of With the work of the cross we see in the book of Acts we see in the epistles of Paul of Peter of John they all emphasize the cross the history of the world is really the history of God's influence in Jesus Christ and I would maybe be so bold as to say that the cross is really the center of the entire universe it is probably the most important event. If we focus on the incarnation, the coming of Jesus at Christmas time, without any reference to the cross, that's not the gospel. If we focus on the words of Jesus and his teaching was magnificent, and the miracles of Jesus, without reference to the cross, that's no gospel at all. Even The resurrection, as important as it is in the total scheme of things, without reference to the cross, it isn't the gospel. The good news is not just that Jesus came in the form of a man or that he spoke to men through Jesus Christ in his words about a better life, a better lifestyle, about death, the defeat of death, in the form of the resurrection. And death is our worst enemy. If the, if, if the gospel just dealt with that, it wouldn't be the gospel at all. The gospel simply is that Jesus Christ suffered its penalty for us. He became our representative that we might not have to suffer it. And all who believe in him will have life and life eternal in him. That's the gospel. The gospel... Without the atonement, the cross is a false gospel. First Timothy chapter two and verse five and six says, there is no, there is no God, th- there is one God, sorry, there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for people. We have two sacraments that we celebrate in the Protestant church. And in the Protestant church, we celebrate baptism and communion. We celebrate communion often. We're going to celebrate that this morning. We didn't celebrate it last month because it was lockdown. But we celebrate it sometimes in our communities where we break the bread and we take the the wine, the grape juice, just to celebrate. Jesus instituted communion as a special memorial to himself. Do this in memory of me so that we can remember his work on the cross. And when we take that cup and those elements a little later, we remember what he did for us. So the cross is a symbol. It's a symbol of the Christian faith. At one point, it was a symbol of humiliation. But now it has become that wonderful and precious sacred symbol that we celebrate today. So... Hopefully, I've convinced you that the cross is the center of the Christian faith. But why did Jesus have to die? What's different about his death to other deaths? The death of another great man, Socrates, a great war hero, or another great martyr. What is different? Why did Jesus have to die? What did his death achieve? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Coming to the end of my 40th year of ministry, and I've heard a lot of things being said. And sometimes I hear things being said like, I have no need of Christianity. I'm quite happy. My life is full. I try to be nice to other people, and basically I live a good life. But in order to understand why Jesus died, we have to go back... To the greatest problem and the greatest issue that has ever confronted mankind, and that's the issue of sin. We have to go back to sin. Paul wrote in Romans 3, verse 23 All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Relative to God's standards, I fall way short. Way short. If I compare myself to those guys out there who might be murderers, child molesters, robbers, even our neighbors, (laughs) I'm quite a good person. But when I compare myself to Jesus Christ, I fall way, way short. There was a playwright and a novelist in the 1930s. He was the highest paid during that time. His name was Somerset Maugham, and this is what he said. If I wrote down every thought that I've ever thought and every deed that I've ever done, men would call me a monster of depravity. How are your thoughts? Monstrous? Sin is the essence of rebellion. And in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin entered the world. And as a result, they were cut off from God. Like the prodigal in Luke chapter 15, we find ourselves away from the Father's house, away from His tender care, and our lives are absolute messes. So I'm going to just share with you Christianity 101 here. And this is the meaning of the cross none of you are perfect i'm not perfect by any means we've blown it we've made mistakes if you think you're perfect you need to see a psychiatrist you don't need to go to call to see a psychologist you need to see a psychiatrist because you're not perfect just let letting you know that you see we do not measure up to that perfect standard you see sin deserves punishment the wages of sin is death. If you've done the crime, you have to do the time. Justice demands punishment. And we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Somebody has to pay for the things that you've done wrong. Either you yourself or somebody else. Either you go to hell or somebody else pays for the things that you've done wrong because justice is the thing that is in demand here so god comes along and he says i'll step up to the plate and i'll send my son i know you've blown it i know you've made mistakes i've know you i know that you've sinned but i love you so much that i will pay for the things that you've done wrong in order to get you to heaven so that i can be with you for eternity It's that simple. Jesus Christ comes to earth. He lives a perfect life. He goes to the cross. He dies on the cross for my sins and your sins. It's been paid for. Every sin. Every sin that you've ever committed that you are committing. Every sin that you will commit as long as you Serve the Lord and try to follow Him as best as possible. The sins that you've never thought about, tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now, they've all been paid for when Jesus died on the cross for you. He stretched out His hands and He said, It's finished. He didn't say, I'm finished, and then die. Because two and a half days later, he rose from the dead. He wasn't finished. If he had said, I am finished, what's he doing walking around again after his resurrection? He said, it is finished. The work of the cross finished it all. When Jesus said this, it comes from the Greek word in the New Testament called tetelestai, which means paid in full. I'm sure that you've had accounts where you've paid and paid and paid and eventually one day somebody gets a big stamp out and goes, chick, chick. and on that account there's a zero balance and across the whole account is paid in full. When somebody finishes their prison sentence and they get all the papers and they're about to go outside, ch ch Paid in full. He's done his time. And that's what it means. Jesus said, paid in full. Paid in full. It means that the Son has completed his redeeming rescue. He has accomplished all that he came to do in this world. He has borne the sins of the world. He has endured the wrath of God. He has achieved salvation for the whole earth. And he has given birth to new life. A relationship with God for all eternity. He has introduced the new covenant between God and humanity. Paid in full. And that's what Jesus did. That's why the cross is the most important thing. It's the only way. It's the only way. I've often thought maybe... Is there another way that God could have thought of? There's no other way. Somebody had to pay the price for our sin. And that's why it's the good news, because Jesus came and he paid our price. He stood in our place, experienced that unbelievable suffering. If there was another way, don't you think that God would have chosen that? But there's no other way. And if there was another way, the death of Jesus was just an absolute waste. The only way that you have a chance to get to heaven is accepting that free gift of forgiveness that Jesus Christ brought as a result of the work of the cross. It's the only way. I mentioned earlier the wages of sin is death. But the second part of that verse in Romans chapter six twenty three, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Derek Prince wrote a book and he listed nine divine exchanges that took place on the cross. I'm going to read some of those and I'm going to add to them as well. There was a divine exchange that took place when Jesus was dying on the cross for our benefit. But listen to these exchanges. Jesus became like us that we might become like him. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven and wounded and that we would be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness Jesus was condemned that we might be forgiven Jesus was punished that we might be pardoned Jesus suffered that we might be strengthened Jesus was tortured that we might be comforted he died our death that we might share his life Jesus was crucified that we might be justified just as if it didn't happen. Jesus may, was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Jesus endured the poverty that we might share his, his his abundance. Jesus was hated that we might be loved. Jesus bore our shame that we might share his glory. Jesus endured our rejection that we might have acceptance with the Father. Let me just stop there. I want to talk about that. One of the things that Jesus spoke on the cross was a repeat of Psalm 22 in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, I think that that probably was the essence. We give so much attention to the wood and the nails and the whip and the, the lashing. We give so much attention, but there were many, many other thousands of people that died by crucifixion that were whipped as well. Yes, I agree that Jesus suffered terribly for us, but his greatest, greatest moment, the thing that exploded his heart was when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In, in, in the Greek, it, it goes, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. God, why have you forsaken me? Because you see, at that moment, God gathered the entire sin of the world, past, present, and future, and it placed it on Jesus. And that particular moment, Jesus became the sin center of of, of the whole universe. And God, who was a holy God, looked at the sin and turned his face away from Jesus. And Jesus realized for the first time in all of eternity, he was separated from the Father. when a crucifixion took place. If the guys were strong enough and they were able to pull themselves up and be able to breathe, because most of them died as a result of suffocation, if they kept, kept on doing that, they could be on that cross for four days. They could be hungry and thirsty. And, but if they kept on being alive, the soldiers used to come, break their legs, and then it was just a matter of minutes because they no longer could pull themselves up and they died of suffocation. They came to Jesus, they saw he was dead, they needed to test that he was dead. So a centurion stuck a spear in his side, and out of his side flowed blood and water. Now, I'm not a medical doctor, but I've read enough to know that when that begins to happen, when the blood has commingled with water in the chest cavity, it's because the heart has torn. Jesus' heart exploded because of his separation from the Father. And he did that for me and you. It's profound. You know, I know that When we take this communion this morning, we'll have a different understanding of the incredible sacrifice that he went through for us. His heart exploded for us. Let me carry on. Jesus was cut off by death so that we might be joined to God eternally. Jesus went to hell so that we could go to heaven. You remember there's that passage in First Peter four, where he descends into hell to deal with those that had gone before, so that we could go to heaven. The old man was put to death in Jesus so that the new man might come to life in us. Jesus endured that we, what Jesus endured, what we deserve, what we would enjoy one day that only he deserves. And Jesus died. And the moment of his death, the the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Listen to this. From top to bottom. Not from bottom to top. It was torn from top to bottom. That was a heavy uh, heavy curtain. (laughs) Even if we try to do it, man could do it i don't think they could do it that was a very thick and heavy curtain god did it from top to bottom because he said now i'm accessible i want you let to let you in i want you to let you into my presence and i also think that this was an opportunity for him to get out and to begin to move amongst his people. The curtain in the temple was torn in two. So, in every sermon, you have to answer three questions. What? So what? Which I've done. Now what? Sometimes we skip on that. Now what? Well, when we realize... How much God loved us, I think we need to respond and love him back. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. You know, if, if there's not another thing that goes right with us for the rest of our lives because of what he's done in saving us, and that's the good news, we need to serve him with total and absolute devotion. To love him back the second thing is to stay away from sin sin our sin your sin my sin is the thing that put jesus on that cross and we need to stay away from it and to try and live as righteous a life as possible and the third thing i need to tell others about jesus See that love is for others as well in 2 corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19 god was in christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them this is the wonderful message that he has given us to tell others yeah god was in christ reconciling the world this is the wonderful news to tell others i mean if somebody died for you wouldn't you like to know I mean, sharing with your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or a friend or those that are at work, wouldn't, wouldn't they like to know that Jesus died for them as well? Let them know about it. Share it with them. You know, right now, as we come out of lockdown, and probably not any other time, People are sitting at home watching their television or reading their newspapers in their dressing gowns, not aware of this incredible, credible reality of the gospel of salvation because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. We need to get out there and tell others about it. I want to finish off just with a simple story before we go into communion. A father and a son were driving along the road together. And it was a beautiful spring day, so they didn't need to have their air conditioning on. And into the cabin of a motor car flew a bee. The son, who was allergic to the bee, became quite frantic because he knew that if he was stung by this bee, it would be bad for him. The father immediately realized, reached out, grabbed the bee, and held it for a few minutes. And then he released it. And it started flying around the cabin of the car again. And the son began to get frantic because he was petrified. And the father said, son, look, it's no need to worry. I've taken the sting. There's somebody else who's taken the sting. And his name is Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where, O death, is your sting? where is a where where, O death is your sting he's risen fear is gone new life is ours let's be incredibly grateful for what he's done for the work of the cross let's pray together